What's up, guys? This is Sarah McAllister, and you're listening to The Business Perspective, where we talk to successful businessmen and women about their business journey, difficult experiences that help them become successful, and dive deep into something they specialize in. So before I let today's guest introduce themselves, I just want to start out by saying, when I first started this podcast, I thought of a few people that I wanted to have as guests, and he was, I think, the second or third person I thought of. And it was ironic because your uh, business, your manager, reached out to me and said he wanted to be on the podcast. So the stars aligned. So I will let you go ahead and introduce yourself. How's it going, Joe? It's going well. Thanks for having me. No problem. So give us, where are you from? What do you do? Give everyone a little brief history on Joe. Okay, sure. So uh, born in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, My parents are from the West Coast. They started a business there and... um, uh, basically they, they got, uh, they split up when I was about three. My mom moved our family to DC and my dad moved to Nashville. Uh, grew up in the city and, uh, went to college at Vanderbilt, uh, which is where my brother and my sister also went to be near my dad. Uh, I did ROTC there mm-hmm. and, uh, upon graduation, I was commissioned as an officer in the Navy. Nice. Cool. So has the Navy helped you with your business today? It definitely has. Uh, the Navy's, it's a really wonderful thing for, I think for many people, but it was especially for me, just there were little things like being organized and showing up on time and, and looking the part, uh, the very basic stuff that you need to be successful to more, I'd say higher, I don't want to say more important, but bigger things like managing people, managing through systems, um, nice. in my experience analysis. So it provided a lot of skills that I'm very thankful for and that I think are, um, that have helped me do what I do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, tell us a little bit about your business now. So almost two years ago, I bought Dave's Pest Control. Uh, We're a full service pest control company. Uh, The company's been in uh, serving Volusion Flagler for almost 40 years. We do pest control, lawn spraying, termite services, uh, mosquito extermination, and wildlife removal. Nice. And so the business was successful growing and then you just came in and bought it? That's the, the short of it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not that easy, right? To buy a business? Right. No, it's not. It's a, it's a long process. Cool. Okay. And for listeners, we're going to focus on business acquisitions today. Uh, Joe has, well, we were talking earlier, and uh, I did not realize everything that goes into buying a business and how many different businesses you actually have to look at and make offers on before you're successful. So how many, when you were looking for a business, how many, or what was your process like? Sure. So the, the process is, uh, even coming from a background of doing it after my MBA, I did it professionally. Um, and I worked for two high net worth investors. Uh, so I had a leg up in understanding how to analyze a business and what to look for. But there's certain things you still don't know until you go through the, the whole process. Right. Um, so there's, there's the outreach part. How do you, how do you find uh, the actual businesses for sale? And there are really two methods. One is through a broker or a M&A professional who has been paid by the seller to sell his or her business. And the other part is through a direct search, basically re- reaching out to business owners and asking them to buy their business. Maybe like if they're not even for sale? If they're not even for sale. Oh. Uh, that's, that's a way to do it. Okay. Which strategy do you prefer? I prefer the brokerage search. Okay. Uh, I, when a seller is paying someone to sell their business, I know that they're for real. 
Right. And yeah. uh, I had spent a lot of time on some some business owners who I don't think they actually did want to sell their business. I think they liked the idea of someone courting them or someone taking them to dinner. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's okay. I get yeah. that. But when someone's paying someone to sell their business and they're ready, you know, they're, they're going to put the money up from it up right. for it. And, and that's when you know that you're using your time the most efficiently. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about if I want to acquire a business, where do I start? Say I want to go down the road of working with a broker. So I reach out to that broker and then what if I have no idea what I want to buy? If you have no idea what you want to buy, the broker's probably not going to take you very seriously. Okay. Uh, I think you really need to know what you're doing. Um, you know, a broker needs to make money. And yeah. if they if they screw up a deal with a seller, they could lose that business. The seller sure. could decide to go somewhere else. And so the broker is trying to bring the best buyers to the table. Um, so what I would suggest is really understand what you're doing, how to look through a statement, um, and to be able to put a deal together before you go in front of a broker, because a broker is going to vet you. They're going to ask you questions, and they're going to say they're going to try you're to like figure out. Like an interview, almost. It's, it's an interview, but it's it's a conversation. But in that conversation, they're trying to figure out certain things. They're trying to figure out are you legit, and yeah. getting being legit means you can read a financial statement. Being legit means you know how to put together financing. Uh, being legit means you know how the deal process works. Um, you know everyone has to start somewhere and. I definitely uh, made some mistakes mm-hmm. uh, when I was looking for a business to buy, even having a background in it that, that blew up uh, a deal. Um, mm. So I think that you know, everyone is going to make some mistakes, but you really want to have yourself put together uh, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to get to the table to even look at the business. So when I think of buying a business, and I've never bought a business, but I think of things like what's the population like, what's the demand on that specific um, sector like, what's the competition like in the area. Um, but I feel like I'm probably skipping a few steps, right? So when you're talking about reading financial statements and knowing what you're looking for, I mean, what you said your previous job helped you learn how to do that. So what if somebody has no experience in that? So I think they're I think, sir, you asked two two things. There. Probably one or four. Is, <laughs> to do that, yeah, yeah. One is, um, you know, what are you looking for, mm-hmm. um, and then two, how do you how do you get some skills mm-hmm. in between? Uh, so I would say there's there's on the looking for category. I would say there are two things that are essential uh, when buying a business, at least from my point of view. And one of them is recurring revenue, and the other one is customer concentration. Uh, most people who are going to buy a business are going to do so with that. And you're going to finance the, the cash. You're going to finance the business from the cash flows of the business. So looking at previous year's income. Looking at previous year's income, but more importantly, looking at the customer base and, and knowing, does this customer come back to buy year over year? Yeah. And so when you have that customer come back to buy year over year, you know that there is a cash flow there that is, mm-hmm. that is somewhat stable. Mm-hmm. And with that stability means you can finance that business. And I think this is a good lesson, too, for those who want to sell a business but also don't necessarily want to show all of their income, right? Because if you don't show all of your income and you try to take uh, find loopholes on paying taxes and things like that, then when you go to try to sell your business, there's no proof of that income anymore, right? There, there is, and there, you know, I, can I can I digress in a story that's yeah. pretty funny? So I, sure. um, 
the two high net worth investors I, I worked for, there was a guy who they sent to look at a business that was actually in Florida. And the guy, it was a tow trucking business. And uh, one of the guys who worked for, he's a friend of mine who worked for the two investors. He said there's, he talked about the financial statements and the taxes and there were no, the guy, the guy paid no money in taxes. He showed no money. Oh my. And he, he told uh, my friend Greg, he said, you know, but I have, I make a lot of money, you know, and so Greg went down there and, and um, probably shouldn't have wasted his time going down there to be honest, but, but went down there mm-hmm. and the guy has a little trap door in his basement and had a safe and there was like $20 million in his safe, you know, but, but you know, even then it's like, you don't know where the money's coming from. Right. And uh, one of my mentors, one of the two investors I used to work for, Royce Yudkoff, um, I'm going to say this in a politically correct way because he said it in that he's, he's a very politically correct man, but, but I'm going to try to keep, um, I'm going to try to keep a PG. Uh, he said, you know, if, if the government can, can send someone to prison for, for lying to them where very terrible things can happen to you in prison and they're willing to lie to the government, what makes you think that they're not willing to lie, to lie to us? Yeah. And, um, that was something that I've never forgotten. And so, uh, you know, if the financials aren't there, I don't waste my time. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. What a good, what a good tip. Cool. Um, let's see here. So why buy a business rather than starting your own? So I think there are two main reasons. Um, one is cash flow. So you're buying, you're buying existing customers, you're buying cash flow. And the other is you're buying a proven model. Uh, so You're skipping the first five years of headache of getting people in the door, or 10 years, I guess it depends on what kind of business. So it's, that's the customer part of it, get, getting the customers. Uh, but there's also a, a, a business model part of it where, you know, a lot of venture capital and, and for, for those who don't know the difference between private equity and venture capital, venture capital is, is a, you know, a portfolio. Uh, venture capitalists will have, you know, they'll place 20 bets on businesses, give seed money, and then one out of those 20 is going to be a grand slam. Two are just going to uh, putter along and, and maybe return capital, and the other uh, 17 are going to be losers. Uh, but that one out of 20 is a Facebook, right, right. That, that makes it up. And um, a lot of those other businesses that don't make it, the business model isn't proven, right? So they're trying to find new things, they're gonna, new, new ideas. The venture capitalists are trying to find new ideas that are going to be explosive new markets. Um, that, is, that is different than private equity, which is more established businesses that have been around for a while and are more mature. And so you know that the business model is there. So it's buying customers, but you also have a proven business model that you know works. Got it. Cool. And I know you mentioned this briefly, but tell us a little bit about the process. I know you said you you looked at a thousand businesses. About, about a thousand. Wow. And then you made offers on about a hundred. Hundred. Okay. And then out of those hundred, one made it through. So out of those hundred, about one made it through. I got to the to the serious diligence stage on about ten. So it really is that that funnel is about right. A thousand looked at a thousand, placed about a hundred offers. Um, the offer is is usually it's called an indication of interest, an IOI, and that is sent to the broker or the owner, and it says to the owner or the broker, you know, this is the price, this is the structure I'm thinking of for the deal, and this is where my financing comes from, and this is who I am. Got it. Uh, and it's usually a pretty simple letter. Uh, if if those 
terms look good, if there's a meeting of the minds on those terms, then you go to something called letter of intent, which is uh, an actual contract that says, okay, now, Mr. Seller, uh, I'm going to look through all of your stuff, and you're not allowed to market your business anymore because I'm spending my money on this. And at that point, the letter of intent, uh, that's where you start to, to really get into the financials. And for professional buyers, uh, and really, I think anyone should do this because you really need, it's hard for a regular person to have these skills. Uh, you do something called quality of earnings and proof of cash. And basically, you hire an accountant to go in there and make sure to verify that, that the cash flow is true, uh, that there is money, money in the bank statements is actually legitimate. Uh, so that's that's a part of the process, um, and along with that, there are a lot of other things. I mean, there's you know you have to have the lawyers create the final purchase and sale agreement, which is that's when the deal is closed. This is like the final contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing financing, you got to work with different banks, and you got to talk to them about you know what they're willing to lend, and uh, usually with with a seller, they want to know that you have that available. There's going to be, if, if you can't produce a letter from the bank, a commitment letter saying that I have the money, uh, then a seller's probably not going to let you pass 30 days into that, into that letter of intent. Um, and then there's insurance and things like that that you have to have worked out because legally you can't own a business if you don't have certain types of, you can't run a business if you don't have certain types of insurance. And so that's a big part of it too. So from start to finish, what was, what is, was the time frame like for you? Time frame for me was was fairly quick. Um, I, I knew what I was doing and right. um, I had the relationships with, with my accountant, my M&A accountant, my M&A lawyer, and with, with my, my preferred lender. So for someone who doesn't have those connections, really what I'm looking for is, I know that you're very patient and uh, diligent and from just knowing you a little bit, I, I feel like you would walk away if it didn't make sense, or I know you would, and I think that someone who is not patient and trying to buy a business and just get it done can make some really big, big mistakes, um, and I guess buy a business that they shouldn't have bought just because they wanted to get it done and over with and make the deal happen, kind of like when you buy a home and you end up paying more than you originally wanted to because now your heart is set on that home, right? So what's a time frame that they should expect so that they don't get ahead of themselves? It's a, it's a really good question, and I, um, I agree with the home analogy. I think it's a really good analogy. You, can't, you cannot be uh, set on something. You, know, you have to look at all the facts and say, does this make sense? Right. And... Um, you have to be willing to walk away. You can't, like you don't want to do a bad deal. Right. And I had to do that a couple times where, you know, there was a business that was right in my backyard in DC that they reported cash flow and when we did the quality of earnings, the proof of cash and, and looked through and the, the cash flow was about half of what they reported for the oh my. recent year. And I, I went to the seller and I said, Mr. Seller, you know, I have to adjust your price by this much and it was quite a bit. It was, you know, about half. <laughs> Uh, just a little bit. It didn't go over. Discount myself. <laughs> didn't didn't go over very well. Um, and I actually know that that business is um, someone from that brokerage group reached out back to me about uh, pest control companies that I'm looking to to purchase other ones. And he mentioned that that, that business was still for sale. Hmm. And this is years ago. Wow. Um, 
so I, I would say that you have to be willing to walk away to, to, to follow up with what you said, Sarah. Right. And I would say that it takes time. Uh, you, especially if you don't, if you don't have a background in it, you really want to get familiar with an industry. Spend some time researching the industry, work in the industry. If you don't have a background in M&A, I would suggest you work in the industry so that when you look through the business, you know what to look for. That's another route, too, where people will get a job in a specific industry. Say they got a job here and you were wanting to sell the company and then they just end up buying it from you. They already know everyone at the company, right? So the, the relationship is already there, too, with them and the employees. So that's a route I've seen happen as well it is but i i, th- I think that's unlikely um i that would that, that's uh it's like where all the stars align and you probably <laughs> didn't plan it it just happened well it's it's sort of um you know i think that when i talk about the thousand one hundred ten one um you know the nature of deals is that a lot of them don't work out and you, you have to be able to walk away and you don't want to force something and I think that if you plan to just work at a business, you know, if you don't have an agreement from that seller saying, I'm going to sell to you in this amount of time. You can I, waste a lot of time. Yeah, I don't think that would be a very wise move for someone's career. What would you say the biggest challenge has been since you've bought the business? Because you said the business has been around how long? 40 years. 40 years. So everyone was here, right? And then... Everyone was here. We, we replaced about 15 employees. We have, we have 35 employees, and we replaced about, um, let me say we, I replaced about 15 of them. Uh, there was, you know, for some people, they wanted to pursue other um, lines of work. For some people, for many people, they, they didn't fit with what we were doing and what I wanted to do. Uh, and so, unfortunately, you know, there was turnover. Um, but it's amazing now that, that that was the first year, and the second year we have... I think one route that has had a turn on it, um, so almost none. Wow. Uh, and getting the right people in the door is, is critical. So there was some turnover. That was a challenge, but uh, and that was a big challenge. So that, I would say that was challenging. Something that I didn't, and I, I think that if you do buy a business, some people are not going to believe in your vision, and they're not going to trust you or, or whatever else, and it takes time to develop that trust. So I, I get that. Um, but for me, what was really surprising was actually, and it sounds kind of weird to say, it was it was actually really lonely. Mm. You know, I'm not from here. Uh, I don't really have, you know, many friends. And I'm the boss. And, I, you know, I don't believe in fraternizing with my employees. Uh, you know, we have a pretty disciplined culture here. And I probably take that from the military. Uh, you, know, you do so or don't believe in that? I don't believe in fraternization believe with so employees. So having the, the... I don't hang out with them. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want them hanging out with each other. Uh, we have company events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to say, like, not being friendly, but right. I think that you know undue familiarity is not good for business, um, and that's something that in our culture that we have we have pr- dignity and professionalism is one of our core values, and professionalism means keeping you know uh, keeping out undue familiarity. But as far as you know, my wife, I was here by myself initially. Uh, she, you never know if a deal is going to close, and so I was staying at the the Hilton three days before close mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the business closes and I'm looking on Craigslist for a place to stay. And so there's a, I have a, a really uh, sweet lady named Lonnie Richards who uh, is an artist and a realtor and she let me stay in her pool house, you know, trying to, trying to tell people that you want to rent 
and you didn't have a job because you were looking for a business to buy and you had no income to show from your previous tax year and you were buying a business, a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, what? Yeah. Hold on, start over? Yeah, and actually they, they really just say like, next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're looking to, uh, to rent their place. And so she gave me a chance and I just paid her a month, I paid her a couple months in advance to show that I was good for it. And then, uh, and then my wife moved down. Uh, she was getting her PhD uh, in Baltimore at the time and uh, actually just finished up in um, November. Uh, so she, and she was able to ro- work remotely in her last year, which was really nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was lonely and, and, um, and it's still, you know, I, I have, it's been wonderful being, in some ways being together and, and not knowing anyone has been kind of cool for us because we spent a lot of time together. And I think in ways that if we had friends, we wouldn't have spent so much time together. Yeah. Um, but you know, I miss my, I do miss my friends, you know, and I do miss like, you know, I have, I have a lot of good friends and I don't really ever see them. Right. But that's part of growing up. I think that's, that's huge. Just helping people realize that the first few years of business is extremely lonely and you can be surrounded by people all day long and still feel alone. Isn't that, it's so strange. It is. And I, I, I can relate. (laughs) Yeah, it, it is. And I, I, it, yeah, we have really good people here and they're, and they're wonderful. We have wonderful people here, like super nice and just uh, very customer service minded and just sweet people all the way around. Um, but it, you know, they're, we're professionals and we have a job to do. And when we leave, we have our own personal lives to go to. I'm very big on that. I'm not mixing that. Right. And so everyone, we work a normal work day and I don't ask the guys at night to help out with certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had to come in on some Saturdays lately because of our new CRM system and we have to get it ready. But I'm, I'm very good about keeping that boundary. I think that's important. Um, and so for me, I don't, I don't mix that. And that's where I spend all my time. And so, yeah, it is a little lonely. Uh, but that's and on the that weekends, you're probably thinking about business. <laughs> I'm doing Still. business. Yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. And uh, I try. We have a rule in this company. You're not allowed to work on Sunday. Uh, and so on Sundays, I truly try not to do anything. Just unplug. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I don't know if this will make you feel any better, but I was born and raised here, and so all my best friends are here, and some of them have helped me out before, and it's still very lonely. So I think whether you move to a place where you know no one or you know everyone, when you're starting a business, it's almost like you're just not as relatable to people anymore, or they expect you to have certain conversations they were used to having with you before, but now the conversation revolves around business, and that's kind of taken over your life um but i enjoy it and i know you enjoy it and uh yeah it could definitely be tough even with the spouse too i think that's a people don't realize that it's it can be good for your relationship or it can really put you through the ringer and hopefully make you stronger i you know i think who you marry is the most important decision you'll ever make um and i married um a wonderful woman and she knows what she got. I, I'm a difficult person, and, and uh, she would say I'm a diva. Uh, a diva? Yeah, a little, awesome. a little bit of a diva, um, which I can be. And if you ask some of the people here, they might say the same thing. Um, but she knows what, what she got, and she's been very, I mean, she's been incredibly supportive. I mean, imagine, you know, when you're trying to buy a business and you're at Christmas with your father in law, and you're trying to explain to them what you're doing, and he says, basically, you need to get a job. <laughs> uh you know and she's been 
she's just been very supportive and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. She's, she's awesome. Erin is, is an amazing, she's amazing. Erin? Erin. Thank you, Erin. Okay, um, let's see. So I want to talk about um, your company specifically. So how are you different from your competitors? So I, I think that fundamentally um, a lot of us do the same thing. I mean, we do. We, we, we spray products. A lot of the products are similar. And I think it does come down to the service and the pricing. And for us, we have our training is really intense. It's, con- it's continuous. Uh, one of our core values is continuous improvement. Uh, one of our other core values is excellence. Uh, another one is dedication to our customers, treating our customers' house like it's our mama's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're very big on getting the right people in the door, training them well, and then making sure that they keep doing a good job. Um, my job as, as the owner is really I'm the chief people officer and the chief strategist. So getting the right people here, because if you get the right people, they're going to do great things. An A-team player is worth three B-team players. And, um, and that's, I would say, how we're different. I take a very, very intense approach to people selection. I don't, I don't like to play the Indeed game. Uh, we cultivate in our manager meetings employees. And we, we basically will go somewhere and we'll watch someone for six to nine months and watch someone deliver excellent service and then we ask them to join our company. Um, Because then we know how someone behaves without us knowing that. And when you do that, it allows you to have uh, the great employees solve problems on their own. And because of that, I can be more strategic and focus on things like our IT system and, you know, our new sales and acquisition, acquiring other other pest control businesses. Uh, So that we have great people here. Uh, I really, I really, that is a differentiator. And we're also very competitive on price. I mean, we're, for the big guys, Orkin, and I don't want to, and Orkin does a great job. I actually think they, they do a, a fairly good job. Um, but the big guys have to charge for overhead. They have large staffs and, and bigger advertising budgets. And so we're, we're priced. We are, in my opinion, um, the best value. Uh, and I think that is, I think that is a very, very, key component of our company um so i think it sounds like trust too so i can trust knowing that you have uh hand selected the person that's going to be in my home with me if i'm home alone or um if it's easy to take you know crazy things happen and i just by knowing you and your character i already knew that but um i think people listening can know that you're not going to just send anyone to their house. You probably won't even send the good people. You would only have great people. I would like to think that. And we not only do we, when we hire or do background checks on everyone, but we do an annual background check. So in case something changed in someone's life. Um, and we're, we're constantly refining. Uh, you know, we're constantly making sure that our people are great and that they're doing great work. Awesome. Um, I would say another thing here that I think is a differentiator is that I am trying to develop my employees to be, to build something bigger. And I think that in a lot of companies, guys don't see a place to go. Guys and gals don't really see like, what's my path here? You they know? don't see an opportunity. It's hard right. to get motivated by that. Right. I think they're already capped. Right. And, and for me, I'm, we're developing leaders here. 
and we're we're taking our time and we're developing them and then we're going to start acquiring and then it's going to be like clockwork that's awesome um and and i think that for you know we we have to get good people but good people are smart and they want a path and so my job is to create that path right yeah exactly well i have a few uh selfish questions so being in florida is there a certain pest or rodent that you see more commonly here than in other states you know so sarah i am like i know the least amount about bugs in my company that's amazing (laughs) this is awesome but but but, uh and it's funny because I, i i really don't um i know enough to to be able to to be to be able to lead mm-hmm. um, I can talk to you about what I see from the numbers mm-hmm. um, but I my job as the leader is not to be the pest expert you know my job is to be the leader of this company and to grow it and I frankly don't want to be the leader of like the entomologist or the yeah. pest guy <laughs> no I, yeah. I want guys who are very very smart you know we have PhDs come and they teach our guys and we have someone last week come we have training at the end of this month you know, on safety. Safety is a core value of ours. Um, being safe and following government regulation. And so we're going over drills. Uh, we're going over ladder safety at the end of the month. We're always training. Uh, but I have people, we're not big enough for me to be able to give, we're not big enough to be able to give that training ourselves and be good at it. So we hire, we, we actually they do it for free, which is nice. Um, nice. But they come in and they train our, our company and we, we schedule that regularly. So Cool. Uh, if you were asking me a bug question, I could like give you kind of an answer, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, I have guys here, you could, I have guys here who are encyclopedias and really? yeah, I mean, incredible, incredible people who know that's their job and they know it really well. Wow. Uh, so if you have a question about that, like feel free to ask them <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> well, what, well, I have one more did question. I throw, did I throw that. off your interview? Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> so. Maybe I don't know if you can answer this question for me. So what are some things that business and homeowners can do to keep bugs and rodents away along with using pest control? Like, so what are some of the, I would, the common things I would think is like you drop, this is very kindergarten, but you drop a crumb on the ground, you don't sweep your floor. Like, but are there other, is that something that even really affects it? Or is there other things that are, that go into it? So again, this is I, I can answer this question, uh, and so I'll, I'll tell you just my high level uh, understanding. Like the the CEO, or the, the owner, I should say, who really does not know very much about pest control, but but as people do and, and are very good. But there's there's pest prevention and there's uh, you know management of of the whole area where a pest can go. And so when you think about you know where the home is, you want to look at you know is there brush connecting to the home. Uh, where are the trash cans, right? So if the trash can is near the home and they're full of trash all the time, what's well, probably going to attract little ants and pests? Uh, if there's brush touching the house, then little raccoons and squirrels are going to crawl in there and ants as well. Um, so it's it's about keeping the, the outside area of your home uh, maintained. Um, there's also, you know, there, if you're near a river, that that can create problems with wildlife and, and rats and things like that. And so additional pets you did not ask for. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's, you know, do you have, do you have a good pest control company? You know, do you have a company who did good termite work? You know, one of the things that we have, we have guys who've been here for, you know, 15 years, 30 years, 25 years, 28 years. 
you know, several guys who are who have been here for a very long. My my supervisors, uh, you know, Mike's been here fifteen. Brandon's been here fifteen. John Rhodes has been here fifteen years. Polly, the general manager, she's been here twenty one years. Wow. I mean, we have people who know what they're doing. They've seen it all. They've seen it all, and they know what they're doing, and they have a passion. I, w- I would think that some people um, would call and just tell the whole story from start to finish as if you guys have never heard it before. And in Florida, I literally would think you get the craziest stories. But it's all, I mean. We, we, we you know, we, we love those types of challenges. And, um, you know, every, every customer who uh, pays on time and... Uh, even if they pay a little bit late, but uh, customers who pay, you know, who are nice to our employees, like that's a wonderful customer. Yeah. And if they have problems, we love solving those problems and our guys love solving those problems. Uh, that's very satisfying for, yeah. I know because the guys talk about it. I know when a guy solves a customer's problem and, and like, you know, guys talk about, you know, finding out where the, where the ants were coming from. That's sometimes it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the crazy stories are great and we love them. That's awesome. Um, what actually, never mind. You already answered that question. Where can people find you? So we're, uh, currently on Ridgewood near Dunlawton in Port Orange. We're actually moving in a month and a half to where Integrity Auto used to be just down Ridgewood, uh, toward New Smyrna. Mm -hmm. So we're still going to be on, on Ridgewood. Um, and it's more space for us right now where our, our, office is is away from where our fleet is and we want our fleet and our office to be in in one location yeah um so but we service all of volusia all of flagler uh we we now are in uh sanford and we also service titusville so um east seminole and and north brevard were were there as well okay so on ridgewood and that would be considered not quite new smyrna so port orange you know, we're, we're still, we're going to, we're, we're in Port Orange. Port Orange. Okay. So if you guys go to davespestcontrol.com. Davespestcontrol.com. Or just walk in. I'm sure they would love if everyone just walked in all at one time. <laughs> that would make him very happy. Well, unfortunately, our new office is not, uh, this, this office we're in right now is really great. Our new office is smaller uh, and the property is much bigger. So we can put our whole fleet there, which is great. Um uh, but I, you know, we, we don't have that many walk-ins and everyone wants convenience. I just want to call and make my appointment and which is great. Yeah. You know, we, we, our new, our new, uh, online system, our new CRM is going to have online payments. In fact, it's already up, even though our system doesn't launch until this oh, Saturday. That's awesome. So it's something we, we, we didn't offer, which is kind of surprising in this day and age, but we now do it, um, or we will be doing it when we launch on Saturday and it's already on the website and it's already hooked up. Um, so we're, we're excited to provide better customer service with that. Awesome. Well, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I really appreciate you, you coming in and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, if you guys have any questions, uh, reach out to Joe at davespestcontrol.com. Uh, if you have questions for me or any topics you want to hear specifically about, you can send me an email at smcallister at newyorklife.com. That is S-M-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R at newyorklife.com. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.